Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Grace Avenue Church, give Jesus some praise in here. Come on. Come on. He's the Redeemer. He's the Provider, the Protector. He kept you from going off on somebody this week because you were that close to losing it. But you said, not today. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much that you're here today. God, we honor your presence. Clearly, you're building something and doing something. And this moment is bigger than us and bigger than me, Father. I thank you for how you've wired us together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you sit down, can we just acknowledge Grace Avenue has the best set of pastors on this earth. Pastor Daniel, Pastor Janelle. Let her hear you right here on the front row. Let him hear you all the way in Atlanta. Rocking the new Grace Avenue merch, too. If you don't have it, you missed out. And if there's no more, I'll sell you mine for double the price, okay? But Pastor Daniel is serving. Who was here a few weeks ago? Pastor Frank DiMazio tried to burn the place down. I'm shocked there's a building still standing. And uh, he's serving with Pastor Frank DiMazio. Uh, Grace Avenue has a pastor and Pastor Daniel that when his pastor says, I'm going to go to Atlanta, Pastor Daniel said, I won't even preach or be at my church. I want to come and serve you. You need water? I got you. You need a hand? I got you. You want some ice cream? I got you. Whatever you need, I got you. So let me tell you this. If you're serving in this house, know that you have a pastor who serves another person's vision in another house. You got to celebrate that. That's a huge thing. Hallelujah. Let's encourage somebody. Tell the person on one side, you look great today. And tell the person on the other side, let's go get some food after church. Sit down. Let's jump in. Go ahead. Sit down. There you go. Yeah, there you go. If you're single, I hope you talk to somebody that wasn't single. That was your moment. You almost found your boo. You were this close. You almost found him. I, 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 I love church, right? I, I love church because of that. I love church because of the interactions that we have with one another. I love, uh, y'all are wearing these Grace Avenue sweatshirts today. Y'all are, I mean, I'm looking in the crowd, y'all are rocking these things. Good Lord. But I love church though. I actually grew up in church. My church that I grew up in was crazy enough to give me a key to the church when I was 14. No 14 year old should have access to the church by themselves. I had access to the church and I figured out how to pick the lock to get in the pantry where the food was. You know God was good. I was in there eating all the children's church snacks. There was no goldfish for Sundays. What happened to the goldfish? I don't know. But I did pray over it first. It was like communion. Dear Lord, take these little orange crackers and turn them for your glory. <laughs> I, I grew up in church and if I had to come up with what I consider a definition for what the church is. I would call the church heaven's embassy on earth. 
If you've ever went to another country, gone to another country, or traveled, there's one thing that you'll hear. They'll say, if anything happens to you and you get in trouble while you're on this trip, just find the U.S. Embassy. Because the rules that apply in America apply on the inside of that embassy. Well, how does that work? Isn't this in a foreign land? Yes, it's in a foreign land. But the moment you step foot on that piece of property, that property has rules called American rules, and it will protect you. Here's what I've realized about the church on earth is that because we are heaven's embassy on earth, the rules that apply in heaven are the rules that apply here. If there's healing in heaven, there's healing in this house. If there's favor in heaven, there's favor in this house. If there's wholeness in heaven, there's wholeness in this house. You stepped into the embassy when you came in here today. I don't know what you came in dragging today, but whatever was weighing you down, you're going to leave at this altar. Because you stepped into an embassy where favor, healing, hope, and joy is a part of the menu. Pastor Daniel's been my friend a long time. If I had to name him and Pastor Janelle another name, I probably would name them something that sounds like hope and faith. Because I feel like wherever they go, they bring a measure of hope and a measure of faith. You have to be absolutely insane to sit in your bed, look at your spouse, and say, we should start a church. And they say, yeah, we should start a church. Well, who are the first two members? I think it's just us and our kids, and the kids don't tithe. <laughs> They're looking at their babies like, you're going to have to give me 10% of them graham crackers and 10% of those orange fish. Why? Because they started a church. But when they started a church, they stepped out with hope and in faith, believing God was going to show them your faces, that one day you'd be sitting in this chair, one day you'd come across this building, one day you'd land in a spot and you'd meet somebody that said, I go to an amazing church called Grace Avenue, and you'd get invited here. Why? Because hope and faith collided one day. I wonder what hope and faith are trying to collide in your story. I wonder what hope and faith are trying to activate you. I wonder what hope and faith is trying to grab your attention. Why do I say that? Because Romans 15 and 13 says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. Everybody say all joy. I'll say it like you mean it. Say all joy. There you go. And peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow. Everybody say overflow. I love me some overflow. So that you will overflow with hope by the power of Holy Spirit. May the God of hope, what's his name? The God of hope. What do you do with a God of hope? You have to do something very specific. You have to stay around this God of hope so that way you can see that he is a God of hope. I had to send the most embarrassing text message to, to the tech team today. I said, guys, my, my, my computer's a little worn out. It's been through some battles. It's conquered some Goliaths, but it's at the end of its leg. Will you please find me a power cord so I can connect my computer to make sure that I can actually use it in the middle of this service? Because if that computer goes out, I'm going to get up here and sing Lionel Richie for 40 minutes straight. <laughs> Hello? Is it Grace Avenue you're looking for? I don't know the rest of it. Whatever it is, I don't see it on the lyrics back there. And I said, if you don't connect me in this vulnerable space, I will not be able to finish my assignment. 
And I believe that some of our internal souls and some of our call is like this old battered and abused computer. It still has a little bit of assignment left in it, but it needs to be connected in order to fulfill it. And I want to tell you that when you walk into this house and when you come up to the altar and when you walk into the throne, throne room known as the place of God where heaven is, you walk in and you get connected. Why do you get connected? Because there's more left on your assignment. You're not finished. I know you feel like, Pastor Courtney, you don't know my story. I'm battered. I'm bruised. I'm overwhelmed. The world is dark. There are some moments, some dark, Pastor Courtney. Now that it gets dark earlier, I find myself laying down more. I find myself not being able to function. I want to let you know, you got to stay connected. This is why life groups are so important. You got to stay connected. This is why you have to hang out with people from the church. You got to stay connected because just woo, because sometimes we stay connected to people that have been in our life for a long time. But longevity does not mean my legacy. I'm not telling you to start acting funny. I'm just saying maybe you need a new circle. Maybe you need a new circle of life. Okay, never mind. Here we go. You got to stay connected. My wife and I, who's sitting on the front row looking all gorgeous and stuff. What up, girl? How you doing? You got on your Grace Avenue merch, too. You look real good in yours. Thank you. Uh, we've been in San Antonio about eight years. And uh, I can tell the impact of San Antonio, mostly in my size now. But I can tell the impact. Of San Antonio. I was much smaller when I moved here, but y'all just keep serving me tortillas and stuff, and I'll just keep eating them, okay? It's not my fault, it's yours. When I first moved to San Antonio, Ryan, I moved in my neighborhood, and, uh, and I, somebody had told me, they were like, when you move to San Antonio, they have Google Fiber Wi-Fi. I'm like, oh boy, because, you know, I need to be able to download files real quick. And so I'm moving in my neighborhood like, yes, I like to apply for Google Fiber. And I got to my neighborhood and realized they don't have Google Fiber. And so I had to go with one of the traditional providers. So there I am trying to download files and nothing's happening. So there are some moments I just went to Starbucks and downloaded files. I bought me a, a, a drink and just started. One day, I'll never forget going to the hospital because somebody told me that the hospital has great Wi-Fi speed. And there I am sitting in the lobby downstairs, not there to see anybody, but using all the free Wi-Fi because they have fast down. I'm like, what are y'all downloading, life in here? And so they're just downloading things. And then a few weeks ago, I was sitting in my house, minding my own business, stuck in the middle of a project, and I heard a sound outside that sounded like a choir to me. And you know what it was? It was a Google Fiber truck pulling up in my neighborhood, and it parked in front of my house. And I feel the Holy Ghost right now because I felt that Google Fiber truck pulling up in front of my house. And I peeked out the window, and I saw that Google Fiber truck was coming towards me, and he came and knocked on my door. He said, can I talk to you about Wi-Fi? I said, I've been waiting on you for eight years. <laughs> that man looked at me like I was crazy. I've been waiting on you for eight years. And he said, do you want to switch? I said, can I switch today? He said, absolutely, I'll get you signed up. And two days later, they got me connected to the download speed. I know that I deserved. I was just standing in the wrong place for it. There are moments in life when you're not connected. If you're standing in the wrong place, you won't get the download speed you're supposed to have. We've been trying to find the right download speed in our habits. 
We've been trying to find the right download speed and hanging out with those people. You've been trying to find the right download speed by numbing yourself, but the right download speed is found in the presence of the Lord. Needless to say, I'm doing all the things now with this new fast Wi-Fi. And I feel like that's what the Lord is doing in your life. When you get attached and you get connected, favor comes a little bit easier. Joy comes a little bit easier. Peace comes a little bit easier. All of the things that God has promised you comes a little bit easier. I want to tell you something about the power of hope. The power of hope has walked up to me in the middle of grief and created a barrier between grief and despair. It's okay for you to have some grief, but when you're hopeless, you get into despair. And that's where the fight happens. And you have to be willing to put some hope in between grief and the despair. And there are moments for me with putting the hope in between grief and despair is simply just listening to the church podcast. I just need to hear the voice of my pastor for a second ministering the word of God. I just need to talk to a leader. I got to go out to coffee with somebody. I got to put the word of God on. I got to put on the audio Bible because I need something to be a barrier between me and the next phase. I need the joy of the Lord to literally be my strength. Joy, I need you to put one foot this way. Peace, you put one foot this way. Hope, you put both arms out and stand in the middle of between grief and despair. There are several things you're taking notes I want you to write down. Hope is many things. It is the foundation of my faith. My faith is charged because of my hope. Maybe you could look at me today and say, Pastor Courtney, what are you really today? I'm a hope dealer, that's it. I'm a hope dealer. Some of y'all are like, I used to be the other thing, but I gave my life to the Lord. I'm a hope dealer now. What's the thing you deal in? Hope. What are you selling? Hope. What can I get a bag of? Hope. I'm a hope dealer this morning. It's the foundation of my faith. Number two, hope is a door out of trouble. When you find yourself in trouble, look for the door of hope. Look for the door of hope. Hope gets you out. Put on that worship song. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. And then at some point in your maturing, you'll go from listening to that worship song to you become the worship song. And you begin to start singing. Because when you listen to worship, it shifts your atmosphere. But when you participate, it shifts you. And some of us are growing from leadership to leadership, from ownership to ownership. God is looking to shift you into the next place of your hope and your faith. Number three, hope is an anchor for my soul. My mind, will, emotions, imaginations, and affection, my soul. Hope is an anchor for that. I am a Washington Commanders fan. I need some hope as an anchor for my soul. Oh, don't you laugh, Cowboys fans, because y'all ain't doing no better. You too need hope as an anchor for your soul. Woo! Them Cowboys fans almost got high and mighty in here. Let me pull you right on down. You in the basement with me, begging God for a miracle. We have the same prayer. Help us find a quarterback. Number, number four. <laughs> number four. Hope is a helmet during, my, during spiritual attacks. And the moments when the bombs of life are going off, and as I hear people say, and life starts lifing, you need to find a helmet called hope that you can put on. Because hope will protect your vital organs when life is trying to have a little chaos around you.
and life will be chaotic. It will not always be smooth. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, go from here to the other side. They had no clue that between here and the other side was a storm. They had to find hope and hold on to it to protect their mind. Hope can protect your mind in the middle of a catastrophe. Hope will protect your mind in the middle of death. Hope can protect your mind when you're walking through moments that are overwhelming. You have to know what it is. I have this right here. By definition, it is God's vision of the future. Hope is God's definition of the future that we receive when we personalize his promises for us. How do I personalize this promise? I have to make it mine. I remember early on in my journey with the Lord, somebody would tell me, when you find a promise in the Bible, you take it. You can take you. You can write in your Bible. He said, some moments, scratch out you and put your name in there. So that way, when you read that scripture where it says you, you make it more personal. And then it says, can you put that first scripture up there for me one more time? I'll go backwards. I want to go backwards to work forward. I believe it can say this. May the God of hope fill Courtney with all joy and peace. Ask Courtney, trusting him so that Courtney may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When is the last time you've seen yourself in the word of God? You got to take you out and put your actual name because this is not a book that's a about somebody else as much as it's a book that's about your life. God is looking to personalize his anointing for your life. This happens to not just be a Bible that sits in the cubby at the hotel room. This happens to be my contract between me and God. There's a part that he's like, I'm going to do, and then you do. Or, Courtney, you do, and watch me do. This is my contract that I use. Growing up, they called it the basic instructions before leaving earth. But I also found out it's a contract that brings heaven to earth. It's not just my contract. It's my contact zone. I found out who Jesus is. I find out who the Messiah is, and I activate him in my life. That's what my Bible is for in my life. When I think about Psalm 119.49, it says, Lord, never forget. Well, I love this right here. My mom used to say, Courtney, put the pressure back on the word. Lord, never forget the promises you've made to me. You've made to Courtney. You've made to Quinetta. You've made the Pastor Janelle. You've made the Pastor Daniel. Lord, never forget the promises you made for Grace Avenue. Lord, never forget the promises you made for San Antonio. Lord, never forget the promises you made for Texas. Lord, never forget the promises you made for me, for they are my hope and my confidence. There are some promises that God has for you. And many of us are standing in the middle of that promise, that career that you have. That's the promise God promised you. You prayed about it, and now you're standing there. That house, you prayed about it, now you're standing there. That baby that you never thought you would hold, you prayed about that baby, now you're holding that baby. Many of us are standing in the middle of the promises of God. And what do we do? And now another translation says, Lord, don't forget your word where you have caused me to hope. Something sparked inside of me and caused me to hope. It's like when my team act like they're trying to come back and they end. You have caused me to hope. I'm standing up. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm fully aware. I'm fully attentive. Nobody say anything. Don't turn the TV. Don't mess with my new Wi-Fi. I can see it better than ever. You have caused me to hope. I believe for this next season you're walking into, you're going to walk past somebody and they're going to ask you a question. What's that new fragrance that you're wearing? Oh, that? That's just a little hope and confidence. That's all it is. Sprayed it on this morning before I left. 
What is it called again? Hope and confidence. Where do I get that? At the promise store. Who makes it? God makes it. What are you going to do? So in the morning, what are you going to do? You're going to spray a little hope. Come on, hope. A little bit of confidence. Come on, confidence. Come on to work with me and change the atmosphere of my job. So when people say, you look different, that's just a new cologne I'm wearing. That's a new fragrance that I'm wearing. What's it called? Hope and confidence. Tell the person beside you, you smell brand new. Tell the person on the other side, where are we eating at after church? If you're single, this is your moment. You better step up. Lower your voice. I, too, am wearing hope and confidence. Woo! That's going to be a story when y'all get married. He used some old King James stuff on me. Paul, the writer of this text, uses the word joy 21 times in his writing, more than usual. I find it odd because I don't see Paul as a guy who has much joy. When you read his writings, you see him as a guy who almost seems like life should be joyless. I see Paul as a man who's had to learn to surrender to joy and put on joy because maybe joy didn't come so freely to him. It lets me know that in this life, if I don't wake up so joyful, I can still activate the joy that's within and I can put on the joy that I need. It lets me know that I can trade in joy for the garment of praise. I can take my garment of my garment of, of, of death and my garment of sadness and give it over to the Lord and through praise, he'll give me some joy right back. Paul uses it 21 times. Why does he use it 21 times? Because I believe that joy is the official voice of grace. And I believe that peace is the official posture of grace. Wherever there is going to be joy, there's going to be grace. Wherever there is peace, there's going to be grace. It's the consistency, consistency that helps us to grow, but it's the interruptions in life that help me to mature. You're naturally going to grow. You're going to grow. You're going to keep growing in your faith. But will you mature in your faith? I love where Ephesians says that he gives us pastors, prophets, apostles to mature us in our faith. Here's my question. Do you feel like you are just growing or are you maturing? Growing means I'm becoming a little bit more consistent. But maturing means when interruptions happen, I'm not falling apart like I used to. I'm finding the revelation. I'm finding the strength that when an interruption happens, I don't decline on PCO for the next two months. No, 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 no. I'm confirming the next three because I need to be in the house of the Lord. I'm supposed to be on vacation that week, but I need to be in the house of the Lord. I'm not just growing. I'm maturing in this faith. It also means if the Bible said in the book of Ephesians that he gave me pastors to mature, that means that I can't just have a pastor on Sunday. That just means that that's my preacher. But just because somebody is my preacher does not mean that that's my pastor. Pastor means that I'm going to go back and listen to the podcast and I'm going to take some notes and I'm going to walk through this one more time. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to listen to it one more time because I need to get all the nutrients out of this message. What are you saying for my life? James 1 and 4 says this, consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, I don't know about you, but is there anybody else in here that can testify that when the storm comes, it seems to come from all sides? I mean, doesn't it sometimes seem like you're getting jumped by trials? Anybody in here ever felt like you got jumped by trials before? Yeah. 
Somebody just raised their hand and like, I I know what it feels like right now. And some of y'all confirm like, yes, because I've jumped people before. I know what it feels like. Get to this altar. We laying hands on you today. You want to use them hands for God. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open. Under pressure. Thank you so much. Your faith becomes wide open. You go through a trial. It seems like everybody's looking at you. Are they going to break? No, 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 I'm not going to break. It's just going to be a breakthrough of my faith right here. Are they going to fall apart? No, 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 no. You're going to see my faith begin to ooze out of the cracks of my life. What's going to happen to you when you look at me in the middle of a storm? Are you going to find faith or are you going to find me retreating? You're not going to find me retreating because I'm up in this house and I hear this word and I'm listening to this word and I know what's going to happen. That greater is he that's in me and the joy of the Lord is my strength. When life happens, faith is going to ooze out. You know that under pressure, you know that under pressure, somebody walked in here today under pressure. You look great, but you feel under pressure. You smiled at the greeter, but you're under pressure. You parked in the parking lot, but you're under pressure. You said, God, I'm going today, but if things don't change, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm throwing in the towel. And God put this service together just so you can walk in here and be surrounded by an atmosphere called faith to look at you and say, you will not throw in the towel today. You will know what it is to stand in faith. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. I hate that part. I just want to get out of this, God. Can I just numb myself? Can I just do something? Can I just scroll on TikTok? No, 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 no. Put on a message. Why? He says, let it do its work so you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. The opening scripture said, so that you may overflow with hope. Everybody say overflow with hope by the power of Holy Spirit. The other day, I had to preach in Dallas on Friday night, and I took a team, and we did a quick trip up, quick trip back, and the trip up was great. You know, we're laughing and joking. I get up and I preach, and we're headed back about 1 o'clock in the morning, and there was a a, a sanctuary that I wanted to stop at just to kind of spend a little bit of time there, and I I love this. I feel like it's a house of the Lord, and we stopped at this place about 1 in the morning, and that place happens to be called Waffle House because we, we don't have anybody ever had Waffle House in here. Come on. You know what Jesus is. I don't know how they got heaven in eggs, but they did. We stopped at uh, Waffle House, and uh, can we just say, Lord, bring one to San Antonio in Jesus' name. We will be good stewards. We will not fight. We will not tear it down. We'll keep it clean in Jesus' name. We'll do right. Trust us with one. Went to Waffle House. I walked in with, with, with my crew. And we're in there, we're ordering, the, the, there's vibes in there, the atmosphere is cool, the food, I mean, the place was clean, it didn't mess with the food that it was clean, but the place was clean, the staff was nice, and so we're in there, and we're singing, they, they got the jukebox playing, and you know, it's not often that you're around a jukebox, and we're playing, they're playing all the good songs, I won't sing them on stage because we're in church, but they're playing all the good songs, and we're singing it in harmony, it's so good, and all of a sudden, there's a guy at the bar at Waffle House, and I feel it coming. He stops. He looks. He looks long enough to let me know. 
He's probably drunk a little bit. And then he looks at me and he, he, he decides to cuss us out the most spiritual way that he can. He says, you guys act like you must be bleepity bleep 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 Christians to turn this into Waffle House Church. I laughed. I said, the spirit of God just grabbed him. He just didn't have any other words to say it. And then he looked at us and said, if you're really Jesus people, you, the one with the collar, he decided that the guy who had on a collared shirt had to be the most spiritual. He said, you, the guy with the collar, if you're really a Jesus person, then you'll tell me what Jesus said, and it better be good. I looked at him, looked at my crew. I said, fam, you just messed up. You chose the wrong people because we are not afraid to turn this Waffle House into a sanctuary. The guy with the collared shirt, he said, what do I do? I said, go ahead. He turned to him. He said, the Lord showed me when you were four, your father left. The guy said, oh, you know that you're stuck between drunk and getting a word from the Lord when you start breaking the waffle with your finger and just dipping it in the syrup. That man was dipping for his life. He turned around. The guy went over and sat with him. The next thing I know, because we were standing on hope, faith, releasing joy and peace, that guy began to cry. And the guy who was drunk in one moment was sober in the next moment. And before we left, do you know that brother gave his life to the Lord sitting at a Waffle House? He gave his life to the Lord. He said, what's on the menu? Jesus is on the menu. Grace is on the menu. Favor is on the menu. Breakthrough is on the menu. I said, well, we got one. Let's see what else is happening up in here. One of the girls said, I have a word for the waitress. She gave the word to the waitress. Next thing I know, some of the crew was behind the counter laying hands on the staff. Then the customers were like, well, I want some of that. Do you have something for me? And we began to prophesy to them. And then a lady walked in with her kids off the street. She said, I don't know why I'm here. I passed another Waffle House, and I felt like I was supposed to come here. We said, guess what's on the menu? Breakthrough is on the menu. If he'll do it for Waffle House, why wouldn't he do it for your house? Favor's on the menu. Grace is on the menu. Healing is on the menu. Wholeness is on the menu. What's on the menu? It looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus is on the menu. We finished at that Waffle House. And the waiting staff... And Ben, y'all can come on up. We're ready to go now. The waiting staff said, you have no clue how much we needed that. That's what we need to get us through this night. That Waffle House will never be the same. It's not just because I'm cool. It's because... It's not just because I think I'm cool. <laughs> it is the fact that I'm confident, not in me, but I'm confident that he will show up whenever I reveal him to people. But it's the same thing that lives on the inside of you.
The same thing that lives on the inside of me lives on the inside of you. That there's a confidence that when you reveal him tomorrow at work, he will show up. When you reveal him on Wednesday to your kids, he will show up. When you pray with your daughter's teacher, he will show up. Romans 5 and 2 says this. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same time, at the same moment, that he has already thrown open his doors to us. You thought that it was a lot to throw your doors open. His doors have already been opened to you. He's just saying, open up, let me in. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. There's a place where you hope you might stand. And God is saying, I have it prepared for you. You've not outsended. You've not messed it up. You've not outrun it. If you turn around to me, I'm going to put you right where you said I said you'd be. Then he says, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing. Where are we standing? We're standing tall and shouting our praise. Grace Avenue, I don't know about you, but I sat long enough. Will you help me with this last line? And let's stand tall and shout praises unto Jesus. Now rip the roof off of this place with the glory of God. Rip the roof. If it's good enough for Waffle House, it's good enough for your house. 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 Hey, remember y'all were praying for my mother-in-law a few months ago? She was diagnosed with aggressive cancer. Remember we were taking her to treatments and I told y'all to pray? Remember that tumor I told y'all about that was 228 centimeters long? Guess what? We went back and checked it. It shrunk to 68 centimeters because of God of all hope and the same God that is looking to crash your house is a healer. He's a healer. He's a healer. He's a healer. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.